Welcome to Inner Guidance Daily. How are you guys doing today? How are you feeling? I'm smiling because I'm really excited for you to hear this conversation. Um, And there's just something about siblings that just really make you laugh. You know, there's a levity that comes with your siblings or your friends that you consider a brother or sister. And there's something about family, you know, that you can just be open and real and honest, at least in my family. And I'm very thankful for that. Um, And so I sat down with my brother, uh, Zach, and, you know, we talked about pretty much everything. And we had a really raw conversation about the state of the world. We talk about racial injustices. We talk about white privilege. We talk about becoming extinct, which is a crazy thing to think. And we talk about the pandemic and COVID fears, social distancing. And really we talk about the big shift we're all experiencing. And that long list of things I just shared is something we're all facing collectively. And my intention with this show was to share an honest conversation about what it looks like to own and share our experiences right now with one another. And really by taking an honest account of our own responsibility in our lives, we plant the seed of change. This conversation will help you in seeing what it's like to talk to somebody openly about everything that we're facing. And I send the invitation out to you to do the same, to talk to your friends, to talk to your brothers, sisters, mothers, fathers, relatives, neighbors, whoever it is that you feel like you need to be talking to right now about your experiences, go and do that. It's so important for us to express how we feel and to hold space to hear how other people feel as well. This episode will be good for the soul. So kick back, relax, tune in, and I'll see you for the episode. Welcome to Inner Guidance Daily. I'm really excited for this conversation. This is kind of out of the norm of the uh, shows, but this is a really special one. So I'm welcoming my brother to the show, uh, Zach. Welcome. Hi, Lauren. (gasps) Hi. (laughs) (laughs) Um. So a lot of you don't know, because you probably don't know my brother, uh, but maybe you do. I don't know. Um, he's pretty famous, infamous, or Instagram famous. <laughs> I have <laughs> none of those face right now. Uh, but Zach, can you please just do, so my brother does voiceovers for like, you know, big blockbuster movies and films. And I mean, don't give me the face again. But okay. Face free. He's Mr. Hollywood. Uh <laughs> <laughs> so I was wondering if you could give me the movie phone voice guy intro for inner guidance daily. Like bring us, bring us, bring us the voice. Sure. I'll just kind of go with what sounds right. <clears throat> inner guidance daily with Lauren Lee. Whoa. <laughs> <laughs> I had to close my eyes while he did it. So I didn't laugh during it. <laughs> Was that good? Is that okay? That was good. Okay. I think I think that's going to be the new intro and outro to my show. Hell yeah. <laughs> no, I'm really excited you're here. And I'm excited to have this conversation that's just really off the cuff. So thank you for doing that. Thank mm. you for taking time out of being Mr. Hollywood. Yeah. I, the, none of that is true for anybody listening. <laughs> <laughs> Mr. Hollywood has never been referred to it by anybody, <laughs> including in my own family. But it's very sweet and I appreciate it. And I'm super excited to be here. I'm looking forward to this. Yeah. Well, actually, we call you the polisher because... Again, we don't. You do. (laughs) (laughs) So there's three of us. It's, you know, I'm the youngest. Zach is the middle. He's all middle child. If there's another middle child listening, he's all middle child. That is true. (laughs) And then we have um, our oldest brother, Aaron. So the three of us, and we've we've definitely kept each other entertained throughout the years, for sure. Mm -hmm. So... Uh, we have been talking a lot as a family. Um, I think most people know, but you know, we're a white family. We, we um, are German, Irish, Polish. What am I forgetting? Anything? No, that's kind of the, that's, that's our melange. That's the mix. Um, 
And so we as a family have been talking a lot about race and what's going on in the world. And it's really top of mind for me. Like every morning when I wake up, every night when I go to bed, you know, it's definitely the thing that I'm thinking about the most. And I know you are too, right? That's yeah, something- absolutely. It's, it would be impossible not to, I think. Yeah. How are you feeling about it today? Like what's on your mind about it today? Um, you know, I got some really good advice actually from you the other day, which is that um, I just kind of needed to pull my lines in from the water uh, for a little bit. And I, I have done that. And that doesn't mean that I stopped paying attention to the news, although I did take like a 18 hour break. I just reached out to a friend and I'm like, and this is kind of the state of the world right now. I'm like, if anything really serious happens, which is crazy to say, there's a pandemic and there's racial unrest, there's something serious happening moment by moment. But somehow, I was able to say like, if something, if a new development that really needs my attention comes, can you please just text me? Cause I'm going to stay off of Instagram and stay off of Reddit for a second and just kind of breathe it through. Um, so I'm feeling a little bit recharged and certainly more optimistic uh, than I was over the weekend where I was just like deeply emotional. I mean, I, in a family conversation, in watching some old Disney movie, like I was actually pretty close to tearing up um, a couple different times. And that's really hard for me to access. There's a lot of blocks for me when it comes to just shedding tears. And um, it feels really good to do that, but it's just like a, a Rube Goldberg machine of emotional movements in order for me to actually let that go. Um, I never actually truly did let it go, but I certainly feel like I've got my mind much more wrapped around it. Um, and I'm just in a more pragmatic place this morning. Uh, yeah. So it's easier to kind of verbalize how I'm feeling. Yeah. It's really emotional. Like I, we, I like I, we, as we talked, it's a really emotional time. Um, and I, I just thought this this morning, and I don't know if you feel this too, but you know, uh, as a white person right now, you know, every day you're feeling the sting of, of racism that your culture, your, you know, the people who are wearing your skin tone are doing. Um, and just today, I was like, you know what? I am going to be, I can be more comfortable with the sting now. I can be more like, okay, yes, this is something I can own of my history, of my race. Um, I don't accept it by any means that I'm not, I don't condone it by any means whatsoever. But the sting like of, of recognizing and wearing what we've done to people is like, okay, you know, whatever people want to say, whatever black people want to say about white people that stings that I'm like, oh, you know, I don't want to be that white person. I don't want to be those people who, who have done, I don't want to be associated with those people, but now I'm like, okay, I can accept mm -hmm. that this hurts. I don't know if that resonates with you at all. Um, I mean, I certainly recognize it, but I don't, I don't see it exactly the same way. I think the sting for me is not so much like, oh, people who share my lighter, you know, amount of melanin in the skin. Like on some levels, this is also silly, right? This is so about silly. This is about like the amount of melanin in human skin and us like being super tribal and simple-minded about it. And so, you know, it's less about oh, I feel the sting of my race. And no, like there's white people that come from all over, from all kinds of cultural backgrounds, and ours is mixed, as you said. So there's a lot going on there. What I think does sting is just the comfortable disassociation I've lived with for 40 years, I'm, I'm 40 mm -hmm. years old, of all this that's been going on right out in the open. Right. Um, and just somehow there's been a cognitive dissonance of me caring deeply about it and wanting the best for everyone and treating people kindly, but really not being aware of. Mm -hmm. uh, and it's really hard to both reconcile and understand how that came to be. I mean, that's part of Again, it's part of my privilege as part of this awakening. And so, yeah, just it went from this sudden and inexplicable moment of uh, seeing myself in these videos. And I can't explain it any better than that. But like yeah. I, I previously didn't and now I do. And I can't unsee myself right. um, in those environments or being related to the people that are being abused. Um, I just can't like... I'm now connected in a new way. And so with that connection came like all the pain all at once, like mm -hmm. all, all of it. And I could not parse it. Um, I really kind of pride myself at this point in my life um, after being super emotional, like my entire life of being able to kind of 
channel that in a, like a healthy way and mm -hmm. verbalize it when I need to and feel it in a way that, um, you know, works well in the world. And so, yeah, I can't remember the last time I was like truly overwhelmed emotionally. Um, mm -hmm maybe like at the end of like a, a love relationship or something like that, but from something that didn't come from my personal sphere mm -hmm. to spin me out that much, I'd say, you know, it's unprecedented. I've never felt like this before. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I, I get it. And I, I've, it's been a really, um, I think that's the biggest piece. I think that like so many people, especially white people, like we were not, we weren't saying we didn't want peace for all, but we weren't taking action and making sure that like it was equal and fair and just, and there wasn't like violence, you know, just straight out violence and inequalities and barriers for people in our community. Um, and that's our white privilege, right? Like we're very clearly uh, seeing that right now in a way that we never really saw before. Thank God, you know, thank God that we're seeing that, but that's a, it's a, it's a big thing to, to take on. It is. And I think the context of, you know, the time that we're living in really matters. Like yeah. we have this open bandwidth to hear. Yeah. Um, and so like, if you had a, a little quiet noise in the house, but there's music playing and kids yelling and, you know, the refrigerator always running and stuff like that, you just never hear it. Um, and I don't know, the analogy doesn't quite work because this is a loud thing that's been out there. It seems silly not to have paid closer attention to but again, that's kind of where I've been coming from and, and where I am. Yeah. Uh, and yeah, so now it's quiet in the house and it's all I can hear and it's all I can pay attention to. So I think that that matters too. It's not just about, you know, these events. It's about like all these pieces linking together all at once for an awakening. And my, my greatest fear at this point is that, you know, the, it starts to kind of like level off and whatever we're achieving right now is like, it's critical to achieve everything right now. Cause mm -hmm. you know, if people become exhausted as they already, you can kind of sense this like slide back into semi-normalcy and you almost want to, you know, shake the table and be like, no, no, no. Like this is a moment and there's like, like there's change happening. And rather than like, let it fade away, let's like, I want something new to happen every day to kind of keep the conversation going. So that's kind of where I'm at. And then, you know, you didn't ask this, but like, <clears throat> rather than being like, this is what the white race has done and is doing there. For me, it's more like, this is what I have done. And this is mm -hmm. what I am doing. And this is what mm -hmm. I want to do. Mm -hmm. I just want to personalize this because that's the only thing that I can control in all this. Like, it's so easy to read the news cycle and, you know, feel helpless to what's going on. But like, I, you know, I talked to our dad the other day and I had a really difficult conversation with him about this. And the thing that I failed to verbalize then that I want to verbalize now is that like, we all have our inherent gifts and skills in life. Like whatever that is, whatever it is you're good at, it's a failure on my part not to offer my gifts and skills, whatever they are, to touch this. It doesn't have to be all the time. It doesn't have to be everything. But like, if I can't carve out the space to offer that, to something that I clearly care about that I'm clearly emotional about, then the actions don't meet the words. And like, mm -hmm. that's what, that's what love is. Love is actions. It's not mm -hmm. words. Words reinforce what you've done. Mm -hmm. And so I'm just like looking for the things that I can do to convey the way that I'm feeling. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I think that makes perfect sense. Um, and it's a lot to take on to figure out where to channel your, your gifts. You know, I've been thinking about this as well. Um, do you have any ideas in terms of what you're thinking you'd like to do? Well, you know, a couple different things, you know, um, and I'm still parsing all this. So a little bit, this is a little bit off the cuff, but the first thing that my mind wrapped around was doing a voter registration drive here locally and like just, you know, canvassing through the few neighborhoods of color here in Portland, Oregon. There aren't many, um, kind of a storied history of not good stuff uh, mm -hmm. in these parts. However, there is a vibrant African-American community in Portland and it does deserve attention. This is a really politically active city. And so the likelihood is that I'll go door to door and they'll be like, yeah, we're good. But <laughs> at least that's something tactile because I think that, you know, when it comes down to what we're up to, this is about voting and like, you know, the voting turnout in America is somewhere in like the 
30%, somewhere around there. Uh, and anything that I can do to just make sure that uh, people have a voice and that the right people aren't having their voices suppressed, like that would make me feel good. The other thing is that I do uh, movie trailers. I do vid video editing all the time. And I know how to do that messaging. I know how to do branding. And so finding out how to offer those skills and services to um, people that need them. Like I was at uh, the Portland protest last week and they were shooting tons of video. Like you could tell there was people that were involved with Black Lives Matter. They're shooting all kinds of stuff. It's like, who's turning that stuff around? What are they creating with it? And like, how do I reach out to it? And so um, there've been, a, there's been a lot of research this week on the their website and their Instagram, trying to find out who it is that's coordinating, who is kind of, um, you know, one of the the foundational voices. So I can just say, hey, this is what I do. And this is what I'm offering. Um, if you need anything, like I'm here for that. So little things like that, where it's like, yeah. this is something that I can do. And it's um, a, a talent and a skill that I've used to make money for a long time. Maybe I can use it um, to kind of like create change somewhere else. So that's yeah. the way I'm thinking about it. Yeah, I think those are great ideas. You Do you know your chapter, the Portland Black Lives Matter? You can reach out to them directly. Yeah, so I do. And, and, and so because of, because of like the proliferation of social media channels, you'll like go to their Instagram and it was updated for like two months, but then it got dropped or, oh. you know, like the Twitter, like the last tweet was three months ago. Um, but then the website's totally updated, but there's no contact details there. You know what I'm saying? So yeah. like trying to pick up the breadcrumbs of where like truly like the active daily interaction is taking place. Cause I, again, I've deleted Facebook, so I'm not on any Facebook groups and I can't track it there. Uh, honestly, where I'm at with it today is uh, I'm going to go to the protest on Friday and just, yeah. you know, they do like a meet in the park kind of rally beforehand, kind of say, Hey, this is what we're going to do. This is what's going on today. This is the news of the day. This is what we're trying to push into um, as people kind of gather and just like go up to the front and be like, I am Zach. Here is business card like make face-to-face -face contact. And yeah. then if they need to like redirect me to somebody else, then I have like, that's the, at this point, that's the best idea I have because yeah. trying to sort it out online hasn't worked so far. And that's just yeah, what's going on for me locally. Yeah, I think it's great. I mean, they'll definitely benefit from your services. What are you doing? Sure. What am I doing? Well, that's a good question. Um, I very much feel similar to you and um uh, you know, definitely feel like people have gifts and personal medicine. I love that term, um, that they are here to give to the world, to help, to help, to help each other. We literally truly are all responsible for each other's well-being. Um, and so I have been ruminating, um, on what maybe ruminating is the wrong word, but I've been really thinking about, um, what it is that I can offer as a gift and a service right now. Um, to help, to help people and to help this change and to help it move forward. So some of the very basic things that I've been doing is um, like making sure I'm super informed on the local level for like Boise and what Boise is doing. They just launched like the Boise Black, Black Lives Matter chapter. Um, I was sitting in and listening to the Boise City Council meeting today where the chief officer uh, police officer was saying where he, he lies on his policies, which was very interesting, by the way. I had never sat on any of that before. Um, and we're getting a new chief of police. So just being, make sure I'm like top of mind here. But then also in terms of like building out something bigger, what I'm starting to think, and I was just thinking this this morning, was reaching out to people who are fighting justice, you know, who are in these roles, who are lawyers maybe here locally, uh, lawyers or activists or um, like fighting for, uh, you know, Black Lives Matters, like the actual chapter, people who are organizing people to get together in order to march, like the people who are organizing and, and tirelessly getting people together to help move change and keep the momentum. So reaching out to those people and offering meditation as a service, as a relief, a time to re reconnect and um, re-energize and, and be able to, to release some of the hardships that they're going through right now in order to keep going. Um, so I was thinking about that. And then also 
I sat on this conversation yesterday that I wanted to bring up to you that I, I was sitting in a conversation with Deepak Chopra and, and a, a company that, whatever, it's ir- irrelevant, but um, I wanted to bring up the conversation and, and share with you what he said. But in that conversation, it got my wheels turning big time on the idea of emergence uh, and, and the idea of bringing people together. Um, we're bringing people together, I think, at a global level in 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 calling out the injustice. Like people are just gathering saying, I don't agree. This is, you know, like no justice, no peace. Like it's very clear that this is why people are getting together to say, I don't like this. It has to change and pushing pressure, putting pressure on people to do that. Um, so, so in this conversation, which I'll share more about with you, but in this conversation, it really sparked my imagination and creativity and interest in starting something that is bringing people together to merge, to begin to bridge some of this, you know, to bridge, to bridge people together and start to heal together. And I know it's a big term and a big concept, but really that's the only way respectively speaking, that we're going to be able to move together. Like we're so divided on so many things, um, but what we all can, a majority of us can agree with that this is unfair and black people deserve rights and justice and freedom and- um, Just safety, safety would be good. Safety, Can we start police, with like being safe? Totally, absolutely. They shouldn't have to fear the police. The police should not be killing people like they are. They shouldn't be- attacking peaceful protesters, you know, like this is just crazy. It's crazy. We can all agree to that. And I think emergence, like really getting people together is something that really stood out to me from this conversation. So that's where my head is at today. Like how can I start, maybe it's in the meditation and yoga community, like bringing a bridge uh, or a place where people like a website or, you know, something where we're coming together for a common purpose um, and not feeling so, um, you know, it's not in like these little divisional pods, because even in this realm, like people are saying like, I'm the black and brown community in, in meditation and yoga. And then there's the white, and then there's even like these white women who don't do anything. And, or, you know, like, you know, this, we're really like pointing people or traffic controlling in very kind of strange ways right now. And I understand why it's being, it's happening, but I'm wondering if, and starting to think about how can we bring people back together? Yeah, I mean, I, look, it, some of this is awkward, right? And and that's okay. Like, it's supposed to be uncomfortable. You have to unearth these things. And if you're resistant to something, it's something to look at, right? All those things that we talk about all the time. I think the yoga meditation space is incredibly white, um, incredibly westernized. And, um, you know, I spent time in, in Bali, humble brag. And it, I think I saw one person of color in my entire time there you know obviously that wasn't Balinese but like I'm talking about like African-American or you know from the UK or anything else like it it's a rare bird and so why like is it because it's not being emphasized at the cultural level early on is it because it's just doesn't you know like what are the reasons for that and that's something to dig in on um but like this tool set this tool set to be introspective and to like touch your intuition um when so many people are coming from um, poverty, from a lack of education, from a lack of family support, like being able to use this tool set to just even be able to create some, some kind of grounding in your life. It just strikes me that, like I remember seeing, and it was like a viral video that went around a few years ago where a uh, inner city elementary school, as opposed to detentions, had mm-hmm. gone to, um, you know, meditation training, like the kids had to meditate for, you know, an hour, as opposed to just sitting there and being kind of like punished with all these wonderful positive benefits. So I think, you know, and the the way the culture of meditation and mindfulness has gone is that like, this is kind of like a win-win, like whatever you do, even if you sit for 10 minutes and just be like, mm, brain thoughts, like you still win. And so there's nothing wrong with introducing this to anybody who's interested in seeing it. Now, you're in a position where you could go to local communities, to people of color and say like, hey, I, I'll run a weekly meditation, you know, and, and I want it to be like a two-way conversation where you can help educate me on what's actually going on. This is something I wanted to talk about, which mm. is 
So like, again, I'm, I want to personalize this. Like mm -hmm. it's so easy to get spun out by a larger conversation and just word salad our way to through our day. For me, it's like, how many black people am I friends with that I could call or that I could text? Like, let me ask myself that. And it's not a gigantic number, but it's not insignificant either. That said, I don't want to reach out to my friends and be like, hey, dude, haven't talked in a while. Anyways, it's like, look, it'd be like somebody being like all of a sudden people of Irish descent are all of a sudden like spotlighted and having people reach out from all over my yeah. life being like, so as someone of Irish descent, how does this make you feel? It's like, oh, no, man, I'm just Zach. I don't want to talk about that. I just having a sandwich. Why is mm -hmm. everything so heavy all the time? Totally. So and like, you know, I'm sure you've seen it in your feedback loops of hey, white people, it's not for you to go to black people, whether you know them or not, and be like, this is how I'm feeling and how should I feel? Mm -hmm. It's like not a time for us to like look towards the, the communities of color mm -hmm. for answers. It's a white problem. It's a, yeah, white, it's a conversation sure. to take place here. And so like to revisit, you know, this conversation with, with our father, what I wish I'd said was, look, Nobody knows how to talk to 75-year-old 70, suburban Chicago white males better than you. Right. Like, that's your, that's you. That's your job. And even if it's just asking questions and posing them and kind of like saying, this is the topic amongst our friends, like, let's stir this up. Let's see what comes up from that. That has like unbelievable utility. Nobody else can reach that group better than you can because it's your group. Right. So like, in terms of everybody coming together, as you're talking about, totally. But like, let's coalesce in the places where it's easiest first. Like, where is the low hanging fruit? Um, and so for me, it's like my friends, my neighbors, my family, like we were having these conversations, you know, to certain degrees. And yes, with like people of color that are educating me on the daily, whether it be what they're putting on their Instagram feed and I can just passively take it in or like one-on-one -on -one conversations where I feel safe to ask a couple of questions and vice versa, like it, there's mm -hmm. definitely an interplay there. Like all of this is super, super important. I don't have a kumbaya thought that everybody's gonna get on the same page, like humans are wired tribally, we're gonna yeah. you know, have our cultural groups and differences. It's not about all being the same, it's just like, I can totally celebrate that in you, I don't feel the way about that. Like culturally, we do things a little bit differently this way or that, but like, you're safe, I'm safe, I get this, you get this, like that's, that's kind of all I'm looking for there versus, yeah. you know, we all need to be exactly the same. I, I don't want that. I, America is wonderful because of the differences. I just can't abide anybody having less opportunity or less safety or anything else, uh, especially as I become more and more aware of like the incredible privilege I live with mm -hmm. well, like growing up as well as now. I just don't, I don't want it anymore. I, like, I want to give it away. I want more like, I, I just, I like, I can't, as soon as I can find a way to either weaponize the privilege I have or give it away to others or use it to protect others, like the sooner I can feel okay about myself. And right now I don't, I'm not like feeling shameful or bad or anything else. It's just like this, this cannot stay. I cannot abide this. And that's like this over overarching thought of like, like this has to stop with me right now. Yeah. Yeah, it does. It is individual. Um, for sure. I want to just share with you, it's on the same note um, about this conversation that yeah. I had with Deepak Chopra. And what was so interesting for me, especially because I'm in his, uh, Deepak Chopra, the Chopra Center's uh, teacher training, which is amazing and wonderful. And I'm really, uh, really learning a lot. Um, what was interesting for me was to hear him speak uh, from a place of really truth like he flat out was like let me just say my truth because the way that the, it was set up was like you know uh the moderator was very like buttoned up uh i won't use any names or anything but buttoned up very like tight kind of starchy yeah very starchy thank you thank you <laughs> <laughs> i'm doing like hand <laughs> um Yes, yeah, very starchy and, you know, very optimistic and, you know, everything, whatever. And Deepak I'm super Chopra, resistant to that. That's always hard for me. Yeah. 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 Everybody, like, you know, people were like, mm, not feeling it. Uh, and Deepak Chopra was like, let me just break it down for you. Let me just tell you my truth. I'm known for being optimistic, but I'm not. 
I'm a realist. And the way I'm looking at it, because they were like, what do you think about the world right now? Like the pandemic, we're facing these unprecedented times. Like, what's your take on it? And he was like, I know you're looking for me to be optimistic and be like, transcend your thoughts and everything will be okay. But no, I'm going to give it to you the real deal. And I was like, yes, this is awesome. Yeah. yeah. And essentially, you know, he was breaking down. Um, he's like, let's talk about race, right? You know, and he's like, I'm going to ruffle some feathers. I'm going to make people maybe potentially unhappy, but I'm speaking my truth. I have to say it. He's like, let's just talk about it. So we all started in Africa, okay? So we're all descendants of Africa. And then we migra- some people migrated over to Asia and they've had the longest lineage of like, uh, you know, the migration basically. And then people, you know, went to Europe and then they went West and then co- they started to colonize people. And they did it just basically off of color. <laughs> they didn't really have any other prerequisites. So now um, there are, he was talking about uh, genetics, you know, and, and what we understand now today in 2020 about genetics. And he was saying that genetically, we know that people who have experienced slavery, which we all at some, our heritage at some point has all experienced slavery, but where we are genetically keeping that in, in us. Um, and so that I found was very interesting, but he was essentially saying like, we're so disillusioned to think that we are separate and coming from different places um, and then identifying our differences by the skin of our color, which is so literally delusional that right now we're in, the, in a place where the pandemic, so our health and people are afraid of dying for the first time ever globally, not just because you're old or you're sick, but just because you're here and facing a potential death. So that Tied with the environment. I know this is heavy shit. <laughs> like it's oh, not, no, it's fine. Um, the I environment. Think about, I'm thinking about it all the time, right? It's not like I hadn't thought about that. It's like, no, no, oh. no, I know. I just heard a deep breath and I'm like, I know, I know. It's like, you know, all compounded. It's a lot. Um, so then the environment, right? Our environment is crying out to us saying like, stop, stop dumping shit in the ocean. Stop putting right. stuff, you know, stop chopping stuff down. Like in the, the actual environment is is forcing a pause and a reset and saying essentially and this is his words not mine is saying essentially look i'm going to reset this mm-hmm. environment and you get to decide if you're going to be more mindful about your environment or you're going to be extinct you're going to die yeah yeah and so then literally my notes like i was writing notes down when he was talking because i was like i want to remember this stuff but his note he basically was like we're at a crossroads. We're at a fork in the road where we have a choice of existence or we have a choice of extinction. What? And I was like, holy shit. Yeah. And so then he was talking about race and, um, you know, essentially saying like, thank God we're at this point and we need to, uh, we need to reform the way that we treat each other, that we, we are the only species this I thought it was interesting too. We are the only species that will kill each other for an idea. Hmm. Yeah, that higher learning thing, uh, it cuts both ways. It's crazy, right? Yeah. Um, and the moderator was like very starchy again and was like, oh, but uh, Deepak Chopra, you seem to be not very optimistic. He's like, I'm not. And, and frankly, it's, it's so bad that I would say, fuck it. Let's go to the bar and get drunk. I was like, what? <laughs> um, but he's like, fine, fine, fine. If you want my optimistic view, here's what it is, you know? And he finally gave in and, and said, uh, you know, people, the systems aren't bad. Like if you think about capitalism or socialism, like these were ideas. This was people's creativity coming up with these systems, looking for harmony, looking for it to work out, uh, looking for people to be, okay. And it's the people that have corrupted the systems because they are power hungry, fearful, greedy. You know, it's, it's the actual people. And so to your point, bringing it down to an individual level, that's where we need to be making these changes is internally, individually. Um, and uh, yeah, he was just uh, saying more about, um, you know, people need to be self-aware, self-reflective and, and understand understand that it's not like the world doing things to them. It's them doing things to the world. Yeah. It's that kind of like victim mentality, right? Um, yeah. Where it's, it's a much more comfortable place 
to exist in to say I'm victim to this and I've been wronged by this. It's a very like self-satisfying thing, like reality TV, like, you know, it's bad, but it feels good. So I'm just going to do that rather than watch the tough documentary that should educate yeah. me, et cetera, et cetera. So yeah. Um, like as it pertains to like the world and larger populations, I just think we're too big of a tribe to try to manage ourselves in the way that it is right now. And I would use something like America versus New Zealand. And there's a lot of stuff going on there. This is an oversimplification, but like New Zealand's 11 million people. And like we have both the technology and the processes to manage 11 million people in a much more clean and, and like everyone has heard kind of way. And like, again, super simplistic, whereas 330 million people, it's a bit too much. And so like thing, it's like almost trying to be aware of too many things at once. And, oh, this fell through the cracks. We don't have a system built for that yet. And this system we built totally failed and it did this other thing. It just feels like we're chasing our tail a little bit over here. And again, it's the, the reasons for that are well beyond the size of the population. But it does seem to me that like, I'm, I'm really like, I find myself almost desperate for technology to help like catch up and aggregate, you know, like what the biggest problem is. And like, so that like attention can be focused on something in a really acute way rather than like, Oh, let's try to do a million things at once. It's like, no, 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 let's do this one thing. And so I'm somewhat heartened by like in 2014 during Ferguson, that was like the big, not the beginning, but like the next step in awareness over um, police brutality and like kind of the suffering in uh, communities of color. And then like, for me, I was like, there are tanks on the damn streets. Like, where did they get tanks from? Mm -hmm. That was the first time where I was like, um, the, the, the police have become like a, a, an internal military force. And like, how did mm -hmm. that come to pass? And I think that, you know, a lot of people thought that you'd, you'd see articles like, yeah, it turns out the government's like selling off their secondhand military yeah. goods to the police. I was like, they're doing what? And mm -hmm. so, cut to six years later here we are now and you could just see that like so much grassroots organizing and information gathering happened because of that so that now you have hey this has happened again here are our action steps like mm -hmm. I've, i'm finding that a lot more now where i'm like you know what this has progressed just because i haven't been paying attention to it doesn't mean that people haven't been spending their every waking second trying mm -hmm. to get ready for this moment and trying to push things forward and that's the story of like human history or animal history which is we're just gonna like keep moving down the halls of history and bang off the walls left, right, and center. Like it's super nonlinear. It's super messy because we just don't know any other way. We're not this robotic, perfect anything. Um, and it's always moving. And so I think it's really hard for people to get beyond their own self-interest because life is super short. You only get these few years, even within those years, only have like these certain ones where you can be super active and have all these Fs to give and all that kind of stuff. And so given that, it's like, cool, cool. The human race, we all need to advance. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But I also want a sandwich and I had this idea for today and I want to watch a movie. Like my self-interest is based on this really short period of time versus like the long view of what's good for all of us. It's just really hard to supersede that self-interest. Yeah. Yeah. That's a great point. It's true. Um, okay. What was I going to tell you? Um, I lost my train of thought. Uh, so, okay. On that note, um, there is, so he, he was also saying something that I thought was pretty interesting. So, you know, we're all self-absorbed and we've built a culture that allows us to really support that. And, and then that's just like the life we live. And I think it's a good point that you brought up. Like we only have so many years that are going to be like where you're healthy and vibrant and can give all the Fs. And so it's interesting that would you be willing to give up that those years to fight for justice, to fight for equality, to fight for, you know, people to be safe. <laughs> to fight for not yourself. Yeah. Right. Yeah. It's a really, it's a good question and a good thing to reflect on. He was saying that, you know, there's a, a place, like if we can build community um, and if people can focus on calling, like their personal callings in life. So maybe your personal calling is not about yourself, which I think in the West, we've kind of built this, like your calling, your purpose is usually largely associated with your job and, you know, how you're going to make money, but perhaps your calling in life has nothing to do with that whatsoever. Maybe it is justice and maybe it is for the equality of all. 
I've thought about um, this a lot lately, actually. Have you? Mm-hmm. And then the third was um, to expand your consciousness. You know, so if you're expanding beyond the consciousness that you have, you know, you can see the world in different ways. So these three things, community, calling, your life purpose, and expanding beyond consciousness. Like if, if every individual could work on those things, um, we would be living a very different life. Yeah. Yeah. There's a little bit of like wishing and hoping, you know, and projection and some of that stuff. So I'm a little careful about it. I, like I said, I've been thinking about this a lot lately about my calling and what impact I have on the world. And I see people creating businesses and movements and these very tactile things where somebody's like, what do you do? And they can put their hands out and be like, here, I, this, Mm -hmm. like, this is what I put my energy into. And I don't have that story for myself, or at least that's what I tell myself. Like, yes, I've made a lot of movie trailers and yes, I've done voiceover here and I've done this and that. I think Lauren, my effect on the world is like people, like touching individual people, Mm -hmm. uh, like an Uber driver or whatever. But like, I, I can see how people are feeling and connect really quickly, usually not always, but usually. And so I'm running through the park you know, I, I need exercise. I was like, I need, uh, I, I went for a run for the first time in like five years and all my legs are the sorest they've ever been today. But like, I saw this woman, black woman, um, just as I was running and I just made eye contact and said, hi, actually this, <laughs> I made a little bit of a mistake in my attempt to be like really like aware and loving and kind of projecting that outward so that not just, you know, people of color, but everybody is, I'm just like, everybody's suffering right now and I have Mm -hmm. room to feel it. So like if I make eye contact, if I connect with somebody just to let them know that like I love them Mm -hmm. uh, without saying those weird words, just being Mm -hmm. like, you know, like I see you, we're all good. And so I saw her on like three laps and on the third one, she stopped me and asked for my phone number. I was like, no, 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 I love you. (laughs) I love you. I don't like you. No way. Like then I think that's like a hard thing. I was thinking about it on the way home. It's like, I wouldn't just instantly want to be friends with any white person just like, cause you're white. It's like, it's one thing to convey like a universal love and seeing somebody and like, how do you do that? It's not quite clear. It's another thing to be like, Oh no, no, you're like, we have, we're like-minded and I want to be friends with you. And that's a totally different relationship than trying to convey like, Hey, whatever voices you're hearing that say you're not good enough and that, you know, you're lesser or anything else. I want you to think of me in this interaction right here that says, that's fuck that that's sorry that's bs i almost can i swear yeah i already swore so all right that, so it's like that's fucking bullshit and there's going to be times <laughs> where people where people are going to tell you that and i want you to think of me saying the exact opposite and that i promise you that i'm i'm going to fight every day to make this voice the one you hear the most mm-hmm. um and so like wanting to convey that so deeply mm-hmm. uh Like all of a sudden it's like, ah, she thought I was hitting on her. Okay. No, no, let's, let's reform how, how we're going about this. Like, Uh, uh, can I tell you one thing that I learned in teacher training, uh, hmm. meditation teacher training is, um, if you can, and you can do this for meetings too. Uh, and before you meet with somebody or if you see somebody, it just in your own mind, you know, just say namaste. Um, now namaste is kind of like an overused term, but essentially just means the light within me sees the light within you. And so that's a different tone than I love you. It's truly saying like, I see you, like our Mm -hmm. souls are seeing each other. So you could potentially use namaste and you know, like you could think namaste. Yeah. I think that's probably, it's the same vibe, right? Like that's probably a better way to verbalize what I'm trying to convey to somebody in, you know, just presence, which is just like, I see you, dude, I see you. And like, I mean, I can't tell you the number of times, you know, I was biking around on, on Sunday, the number of people I saw and just eyes are catching left, right, and center. And yeah. it's probably whether I'm radiating, radiating that out and it's being picked up or it's just, we're all looking for connection, like yeah. even behind masks, like I, I'm catching more eyes now than I ever have in my well, life. Well, it's all we have. It's all we, can't we have. can't see our expression from our... I love the masks that say like I'm smiling beneath, you know, underneath. I drew a big smiley face on mine. Oh, you did? Yeah. So, so like, just so people know that like underneath this thing, I promise you like it's coming from a good place. Yeah. So yeah, I drew a big giant dumb smile on mine. Um, And I've had people mention it multiple times. They're like, that's so nice. I'm so glad that's there. I know. We're living in a weird time. It's just wild. It's a lot, isn't it? 
It's a lot. <laughs> <laughs> it's a lot. Yeah, it is dramatic change. And um, I'm still not used to it and I'm still resistant to it. And I still find myself wishing for this or missing that. But you can also see the adjustments taking place where um, I think for like the first month, I was like, this is going to sound bad. I, I don't mean it like this, but like it was almost exciting. Like it was terrifying and I was really worried for everybody around me, but like almost the way that like school is canceled because there's a tornado warning. Mm -hmm. Like, yes, obviously terrible things can happen from a tornado, but this is like exciting. I can't explain it any other way. Like this is different and I'm like shaken from a routine and there's something existential in the air. And so I feel like energized by it. And I think everybody, not everybody, but a lot of people have talked about that, like three week pandemic energy they got at first for like, I'm going to do this thing I was going to do. And then after three weeks, it was like, I was going to make a sandwich. Yeah. Yeah. And so the civil unrest thing and the racial injustice, that's a different sort of thing. But as it pertained to like the first part of all this world change, it went from energizing kind of like scary excitement to, I hate this, please can we go back to, oh my God, the world feels like it's crumbling under our feet a little bit. And that's sort of where like, there've been, there's been like legitimate fear in me, you know, the last few weeks as this guy says this and Mm -hmm. this group does that, where I'm like, dude, maybe, are we just going to quit each other? Like, what are we doing? You know, like where it's really easy to just feel hopeless for a second. And that's a really tough place to be. So, you know, now I find myself trying to be like, all right, what am I going to do today? And no victim mentality. And what can I do even in my own home? Like clean the house, clean the house. (laughs) Like the house is clean, you know, great. Like that feels good. Like what are like these little kernels of normalcy and self-empowerment? Like, it seems so silly, but mm-hmm. it's, it's super critical. So, um, yeah, I guess I'm just more in touch with that part of me than I ever would normally be. Cause normally I can just like paper over it with going out for drinks with friends and totally. you know, focusing on this project. And you can just like cover up those holes in the wall with wallpaper all day long. And now I'm just staring at holes in the drywall being like, cool uh cool there's a hole like what do i do about that hole it's so upsetting to look at this hole in the wall um and that's just like a really tough new feeling to sit with um and i guess it's probably a good thing ultimately yeah uh, let's hope so (laughs) like this this i hope that this like actually i was talking to somebody today and they were like um you know, I'm thinking there, she lives in New York and she's like, oh, I'm thinking maybe the next time, (laughs) this is crazy. The next time I'll be able to like go outside and it's a little bit normal. Maybe I can go into a store. New York is like a totally different experience for the rest of the world, especially me and you in Boise and Portland. She's like, I'll probably be wearing like a winter coat and like, you know, it'll be really, really cold. And um, it was such a strange thought, but I was like, actually, (laughs) not to rain on your parade, but by the time it's cold again, we're going to be locked up again. You know, yeah. people are already practicing and, and preparing for that. Um, like even the schools here are, are saying like after Thanksgiving, you're going to be remote. Is that right? Mm-hmm. What, what, because why? Second, second wave or whatever they call it of COVID-19. So, huh. so schools here and even like Lily's school, you know, she's in pre, pre, preschool, you know, <laughs> They just keep preing school. Like they're gonna, it's gonna be like prenatal school. Like I, I <laughs> like in the womb. It, it's coming totally. Just like we're gonna talk to your stomach. They'll learn a lot. <laughs> They'll come out much more prepared for life. Oh my god, we're so weird. Um, totally. But yeah, they're planning for after Thanksgiving for it to be remote, which is crazy to have a three-year-old have remote school, which just means she just won't be going to school. Uh, but the university and uh, the high schools and elementary schools, that's the plan. So that if it comes again, which it likely will, um, we're, they're prepared. This is like totally off topic, but a curious question just came up. Like, mm. are you worried about her socialization? You know, moms have been talking about it. Like I have a few different mom groups that I have. And um there was like, so the mom friends that I have from her school, you know, we have like this chat group and uh, one of the moms said like, you know, it was like towards the end of the pandemic or not the end of the pandemic, but the end of the lockdown. So like six weeks in, seven weeks in, mm-hmm. 
And one of the moms said, like, I'm starting to worry about her child's mental state and not seeing friends and being so isolated. And to be honest with you, I hadn't considered truly if it's affecting Lily at three years old um, until I, <laughs> uh, our neighbor, our old neighbor, you know, she has a, like a, a 15 month old, a four year old and a three year old. And she finally came by one day and was like, look, if you want Lily to like come over for an hour or two, we're okay with it. Like we're willing to take that risk. It's good for us. It's good for you. I know you're stressed from all the work and everything that you're doing. And I was like, let's do it. (laughs) Totally. But that day that Lily knew she was going, she was like, good fucking bye, mom and dad. (laughs) (laughs) She was out the door. Deuces. 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 She was like, I get to go play with people. So yes. So yes, it is affecting her for sure. I don't know what the long-term effects will be. For all of us, right? Like just because we can adult and think that we're good and kind of do the mental gymnastics to be like, well, but you see a kid and you see like their lack of social and it really impacts you. Like, how are we impacted by our lack of social? Like what happens to us? I find myself wanting to talk to strangers and, you know, like, you know, like just engage wherever I can engage. And um, yeah, like I've certainly noticed that. So what are the long-term effects for all of us socially? Look, I have noticed, um, amongst other things that I, I really am like resistant to the internet these days. You know, I find myself wanting to recede from it more and more as it becomes um, a place of like hyperpolarization and mm-hmm. amplify, amplified voices for the wrong reasons. Um, it's just a painful place for me a lot of the time. But come to find out that like a lot of my friends are playing Nintendo Switch and I have yeah. one. Yeah. And so like all of a sudden now I have like three Nintendo switch hangouts a week with different <laughs> groups and I'm playing video games again. Like I thought I was totally done with video. I was like 15, 20 years clear from like really playing them regularly. And all of a sudden now it's like Wednesday night. Yes. Like we're going to hang out oh, that way. Lord. So like we're going to find our social, right? We're going to find it. Like it's just going to be it's different. A, it's, a, it's a survival instinct. It's just right. a matter of, what that's like. I think the real challenge is physical intimacy and what it does to that going forward and what our new bubbles of comfort are. Like I went again, this is not, I promise it's not virtuous signaling that I'm like bringing this up again, but going to the Portland protest and being surrounded by 2000 people in a park, I was so aware of my circle and so uncomfortable by people who were inside of it. Mm -hmm. Uh, I really had to like take a step back and be like, if this is too much for you, get out, like, go ahead and step aside. Even though I was masked up and gloved up, even though it's just like, I was like, wow, I'm not used to that at all. And then I'm watching like an old basketball game and watching a crowd high five and hug one another. And right, I'm like, right. weird, you guys are dirty. Like these weird thoughts. Right, that, right. I, like, so like, that is a thought that's in my head, sometimes at like an unconscious level or subconscious level, which is like, humans are dirty, right? Like, that's a new thought that like, I think I knew, but has taken on this whole new depth of meaning where you are like parsing where someone's been or what they're, how they're going about handling this. And then at like stamping them personally with like a, I, you know, that that, I can't trace that person's vectors. And I I don't know where they've been. Right. It's almost like choosing like a, like a sexual partner. It's just like, you're kind of ascertaining like your personal view of their cleanliness how messed up is that? Right. That's crazy. But I totally feel like that's what I'm doing uh, when I not so much like strangers or anything, because who knows, but like people I know, and I'm like, this dude is doing this, this, and this, I can't even backyard hang. Like that makes me a little uncomfortable versus the other side of the spectrum where I'm like, okay, bunker boy, like (laughs) it's okay to come outside and like wave (laughs) wave hello from the driveway. Right. (laughs) So like this, there's this huge spectrum of the way we're treating this where like, you know, the bookends of it are never ever going out in public ever again and being super weird and, you know, um, distant and then being way too cavalier with this and likely getting people around you sick and being just like not at all responsible for the group collective and feeling like that's a really cruel thing to do. Mm -hmm. And then all of us are existing somewhere in the middle of that where 
you know, I'm like, man, we all need to mask up. Then I go for a bike ride without a mask. And I, and I told a friend that and they're like, wow, but you know, you're moving quickly and it's okay. And I'm like, no, like that's totally subjective justification. Totally. Uh, and like uh, somebody else would be like, that's, that's a travesty. And then the person's like, dude, go take a bike ride. And that nobody's right. It's just, but like everybody needs this deep desire to be right. Uh, yeah. is, is just killing us, man. It's just, yeah. Well, yeah. on that note, I, first of all, two things came up for me. Um, mm-hmm. I, it will be really strange. Like I'm married, you know, you're single, but um, it would be so weird. It would be so weird if like you were dating and then would, do you ask somebody like, have you had COVID before? <laughs> like totally. It's like really the, the next level of STD tests is like, yeah. just tack it onto the end. It's crazy. That is crazy to think like, okay, so then if they, <laughs> it's like so nuts, then you have to like actually think about that. I don't know. That's wild to the think thing, about that. The thing about COVID and, and is just like the unknown of it, you know, it's like, whereas the flu is normalized, it, it does this, it does kill people, et cetera, et cetera. We've learned to live with it. Whereas right. COVID, they're like, the test works, the test doesn't work. You, you had it, I didn't have it. Uh, you know, it does this to you, these organs. It didn't do anything to this person at all. It's just this like shape-shifting nebulous thing. But meanwhile, it's taking people out and you look at these numbers every day. And you're yeah. like, okay, so definitely that, but also nothing for this person. And like, there's a story in the New York Times of this couple uh, I think that I, I don't know if I told you this, but for the sake mm-hmm. of the podcast, where a woman t- in New York tested positive for it, uh, positive, like, and she had, you know, she's sick the whole bit, but uh, not hospitalized, but like had a flu almost, right? Mm-hmm. And she, she had been home with her husband and they'd already been together anyways. So they're just like, we'll quarantine together. And they're still like making meals together, kissing, sleeping together, the whole bit. He never got it. And he got tested when she got tested negative. And then they both got tested for antibodies later. She's got the antibodies and he doesn't. And that's inexplicable. And and because the tests aren't 100% on either side, there's just like, there's just uncertainty holes in everything where you can never, where's your foothold in any of this? Yeah, Uh, you don't have one. And for me, you know, besides like the, 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 the ever present, like specter of it affecting the people that I love. I'm not worried about me. That's stupid, but that's just kind of where I'm at with it. But the older people in my life, the people who are more susceptible, like the ever present specter of fear of that is just the like constant waking up and being like, what, what drug works now? Like it did what now? Like mm-hmm. there, there's a kid version of like all that stuff that just kind of keeps coming up in a very fear mongering kind of way. Mm-hmm. I think the, the, the daily juggle, is is really challenging because we just don't know enough and we're mm-hmm. so desperate to know right now that mm-hmm. any kind of kernel of possible truth is when we put in our pocket right away it's really yeah. difficult yeah that's that's very true remember when i had to take mom to the hospital uh because of our blood pressure and it was God. during covid and it was like next level like security like it's so stressful <laughs> my anxiety ex- like exploded from afar because i'm just like she's got to go to the hospital and blood pressure. And, you know, I was thinking about that the other day. It's like any other malady in the world, sorry, like hang on to it. Like I've had a, a neck thing, like a neck vertebra, like nerve thing going on since January. I can't get that looked at. Like, I just kind of have to like, you know, deal with a rollout on a foam roller fixed, <laughs> like <laughs> take Advil, like whatever. <laughs> I can't actually like take the risk to go, and get it sorted out. It feels like everything's in the back seat. I'm supposed to go to the dentist in two weeks. I'm like, my teeth are great. No problem. <laughs> like, see you in December. Skipsies. Like I just, and it's not because I'm like sitting here being terrified of it. I'm just like, why take the risk? Why take the risk? And I think that's another part of this, which is so many things that need to be attended to can't be attended to, not just health, but like yeah. pandemic, racial injustice. It's like all these other pieces of life that would normally, you know, get our attention a lot of them don't deserve attention like the over complication with work and all this other stuff we're quite happy to kind of let go mm-hmm. what are the important things in our lives that can't be attended to right now and how is that like building up in people i think that's another mm-hmm. thing that's that's going to be part of this oh god we're in it for the long haul <laughs> totally totally it's a big shift and it's not going back and so um it's not like it's going to be this dystopian new world order you know or any of that stuff but different life, different life. And what's that going to look like? And how long is this transition going to take uh, to kind of 
normalize a little bit. Yeah. Remember when we were like, okay, we're going to quarantine for six weeks. And then, you know, like in our minds, we're like, you know, we'll, we'll plan for like 12 weeks. Right. And then, you know, you're like, oh, well, I guess I'll go, I'll plan for like a little bit longer. Now I'm planned for like 2021, you know? (laughs) Totally. And I think that's like a safe mental place to be versus like, oh, in the fall we can do this. I like, I, I think I had a thought line and like dropped it earlier, which is there was that initial burst of energy and then there was like, never mind. And then there was this moment for me where I like, I was deeply depressed for like two solid weeks off of one single thought, like one negative thought spiral, which was, I've been waiting for this like switch that got flipped on instantly to get flipped off and mm-hmm. the life I knew to go back. And I keep waiting for that like alarm to go off outside or somebody to be like, all clear. <laughs> it's never going back. It's Mm-mm. something different going forward. Mm-hmm. And it's a long road to whatever that is. So stop waiting because there's nothing to wait for. And I was like, I am sad forever. (laughs) (laughs) Like it killed me. It killed me. And and it took me like two weeks to be like, stop playing victim. What's your agency, you know, start to do things. Even if it's like making a sandwich, like do things because this is the life. Like you don't, you don't get to go back. There's nothing else to do that you have to just accept. This is the world in which you're living and, and make it good for you. It's, that's your responsibility. You're responsible for yourself. Yeah. Well, I think that we'll end it at that. You are responsible for yourself, for totally. helping with uh, race, injustices, for the environment, for the world, for health. Like, you're responsible for yourself. Mm-hmm. Anything else you want to say? Um, no, I really appreciate this. It was like a good chat. It was a good chat. It's so cool. And I I really appreciate you being here for it. Do you want to give us like a a movie phone outro? (laughs) Uh, Sure. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Shoot. I'm I'm a reader, not a maker upper. It's hard to know exactly what to do, but I will say inner guidance daily coming today, coming soon, coming for the next, how long do you plan on doing this podcast? Forever? Forever. Uh, until she gets tired of it (laughs) (laughs) that works too all right bro thank you so much for being here thank you for all your insights and your wisdom and thank you for showing up and being such a you know being the polisher in the family and uh or the polisher you know (laughs) do you want to do you want to like explain that because it sounds like i like like wipe off the shelves in everybody's house i don't like it it's it's you got it needs explanation because it sounds bad it's bad either way but it super sounds bad without explanation oh god um well you're the polisher because you know you always come in and polish it up you know like so if we're like this is a pretty simple and like whatever example, but um, like if, uh, you know, Mother's Day is coming up and, you know, you'll like text all of us and say, okay, what's everybody buying? <laughs> you know, what's everybody doing? What are your plans? Make sure you have something planned. <laughs> Get a dandelion beat wreath, something. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So then me and Aaron will usually respond like, okay, we're, you know, thinking about something for sure Aaron hadn't thought of it until you text him, <laughs> but that's not fair because he's not here. Um, He's gotten better. I will say Aaron, Aaron, much better. Our brother, he, after being unaware for a long time, seems pretty aware these days. I got to give him yeah. credit. Um, so then we'll, we'll say like, whatever, what is we planned. And then usually you wrap it up with a bow, you know, like you'll polish it up. And so you'll be like, okay, well you did this, you did this, you did this. I was thinking about this. Let's make sure we wrap it up in a shiny, perfect little bow and I'll polish it with my extra Zach polishing sauce you know, and put out like a video or a trailer for like, you know, <laughs> for the family. And, um, you know, really, you have a really, really good way. And I think it's like really, truly one of your innate gifts of being able to see people, how they feel and what they're needing and being able to meet their needs and making sure the people around them are doing their job. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. People no, that's part of my gift too, which is you do, you must do this. It's not, it's not my best gift. <laughs> <laughs> it's a good one. Uh, and making sure that, um, you know, people feel good and feel seen and heard. So, you know, it's a good gift. It's a good, that is why I call you the polisher. Well, I appreciate it very much. 
You're welcome. Okay. Thank you for joining Interguidance Daily. And thank you for giving us that wonderful outro, which, which I will do this as long as I'm into it. <laughs> <laughs> and thank you everybody for tuning in and we'll see you on the next, on the next episode. Thank you so much for tuning into this episode. It was really so awesome for me to be able to sit down with my brother and then share this out with you and this community. If you feel like somebody else would benefit from having heard this conversation, feel free to pass it along. It's available on all platforms that serve podcasts. And if there's anything I can do for you, feel free to reach out to me at lauren at innerrebel.co. I hope you take me up on the offer and take me up on the invitation and go talk to those people who you care about, who is your crew, who is your family, and have a conversation that's meaningful for you guys. As always, be well, stay safe, and I'll see you for the next episode.